Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. This week's podcast is brought to you by Deloitte Digital. Deloitte Digital has created a new model for a new age, the Creative Digital Consultancy. They are transforming the digital journey in a way an agency or traditional consultancy alone cannot. Now, leaders across the entire organization can come to one place to have their ambitions brought to life. Today's episode is also brought to you by Newstar. Stressing over your game day marketing plan? Get your team on the same page with Newstar's unified analytics to score big with your customers on game day and every day. Visit newstar.biz slash playbook for game-winning strategies. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad. This is the Adweek podcast where we talk about marketing, media, advertising, technology, pop culture. In the end, everything's an ad. I'm David Greiner. I'm an editor with adweek.com. And with me as he is each week is Tim Nutt, our creative editor. Tim, thank you for joining us. Thanks. Happy Super Bowl week, David. Hey, you too. Is it snowing like crazy in Maine? It's it's not snowing at all, actually. Oh, no. You but, poor uh, thing. Like, New York get, finally gets a good snowstorm, and you get nothing. Nothing up here. Well, um, we've also got Christina Monlos. Uh, welcome back to the podcast. A producer on the podcast and frequent guest and staff writer for Adweek. Good to have you back. I'm excited to be able to do this again. It's been a while. And Katie Richards, staff writer who covers agencies and marketing. Uh, Katie, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for having me. All right. So today on the podcast, we're going to be talking a lot about the Super Bowl. Super Bowl is coming up. And for us who cover advertising, it's kind of our Super Bowl. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, Good one. (laughs) So uh, we have had a lot of fun preparing for this, and uh, we've got a lot to talk about with who's going to be in it, who we expect to do well, what kind of trends we've been seeing. Uh, We will get to that in just a little bit. Uh, We're also going to talk about, uh, it feels like a weekly feature we might as well come up with, is how brands are responding to Donald Trump's administration, uh, specifically this time on the uh, ban he put on immigration from specific countries. Uh, So we'll be talking about that too. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I got a little. We'll be talking about a lot of Super Bowl. So this is where Sean Spicer would sh- <laughs> call in and be like, "Guys, it's not a ban. It doesn't matter that he tweeted it was a ban. It doesn't matter that really Rudy Giuliani said it was a ban on Fox News. It's not a ban." Well, it's our podcast, so we can call it a ban if we want to. But first, the news. So really the most important piece of breaking news that's happened this week in the advertising industry. I'm just kidding. It's actually a real self-indulgent piece of discussion. Wanted to talk about Adweek has a new website. We launched a new version of adweek.com. It's been long in the works. 
Uh, and it's a uh, it's a beautiful thing. We've of course been like hammering out all the bugs and figuring out all the new systems. But if you uh, have not checked out our site in the last few days, uh, it's a big upgrade. We've had the same site for pretty much for the same for about six years, which in internet years is forever. Uh, so uh, it's been nice to switch over. It's much more visual. I think the uh, especially the stuff that Tim covers and edits, the creative content, the ads of the day, everything just looks a lot bigger, more vibrant. Uh, Christina, Katie, you guys have had a few days to play with it. Uh, Christina, what's your what's your take on the new site? Uh, I I mean, you can see things <laughs> a lot better. <laughs> things are bigger. That's things helpful. are bigger. Um, on mobile, it's much easier to use. Uh, it's not perfect yet, but it'll get there. Uh, we actually have mobile ads now on our site. So, you know, if you're listening and thinking of advertising on adweek.com, obviously <laughs> you can do it, uh, on our mobile site now. So you're that's kind of cool. such a corporate shill. <laughs> Your yeah, sales I'm going to, I'm going to shill for us. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tim, you've spent uh, you've been just neck deep in this site for the last few days and have really played around with the most visuals. Uh, wh what's your take on it? You've also been part of multiple Adweek redesigns over the years. Um, yeah, you know, I actually thought our old site was pretty good for being six years old. I, I think it's still kind of, you know, held up over that time. But it's just nice now because we can embed videos a lot wider and we can do art that's a lot bigger at the top of stories and you know, sometimes it doesn't work to have great, you know, enormous art, but sometimes it does. We, you know, when we can sh we can show print ads at you know really nice resolution. So uh, I'm excited about it, and we also have you know really nice um, kind of homepages for our, all our different uh, areas of coverage. So brand marketing, agencies, digital, um, TV, video, and creativity, which is our new uh, creative section. Uh, all have their own sort of individual homepages, which is nice. We never had that before. You know, when you'd click on through the nav at the top of the old site, it would just give you a list of articles. Now it's much more like a second homepage, so you can bookmark those and, and kind of go back to them specifically, whichever ones you're into. So, yeah, I think it's uh, it looks a lot better, and I think it'll be a better navigation, and, and, you know, it'll be easier for people to get around the site and see everything that's going on in the business. It's it's always nerve wracking to put out anything new on the internet or to re to redo anything, um, and we were fully prepared to get uh, some pushback from readers, from frequent readers, uh, and in fact, we got flooded with very positive comments all day yesterday. Uh, the only uh, I'd say quasi negatives were people trying to find uh, Ad Freak, our creative blog that Tim runs, which now, as he mentioned, part of the creativity section, so a slightly larger creative section. Um, but other than that, I mean, I just kept waiting for the shoe to drop of someone to be like, I don't like how it does this. And, and no, people were just like, looks great, looks sleek. And on Twitter to get positive feedback all day was just a wonderful change. It was a new universe. So thank you to everyone who checked it out. We had a lot of uh, secretly snuck in a lot of our most uh, loyal readers to check out early versions of the site. They gave us a lot of feedback. Uh, so if you were one of those, uh, thank you very much for coming in. And um, yeah, it was just, it's been a really fun, uh, labor-intensive experience, but glad to have it up in time for the Super Bowl. Speaking of the Super Bowl, uh, we're going to, as I mentioned, talk a lot more about that in a bit, but I did want to cover one quick item under news, uh, which is that GNC, the uh, vitamin supplement store, uh, was going to be running a Super Bowl ad. Uh, we did a really nice piece by Robert Clara, our uh, brand reporter, about how GNC was a brand that was really uh, on its last legs uh, and probably... 
a one Super Bowl ad wouldn't be enough to turn that fate around. Uh, so we had this very dire story about the state of GNC, and then uh, it got even worse yesterday. Uh, which I guess it was Monday uh, of this week. Uh, they basically what happened is a USA Today sports reporter said, "Hey, GNC is on the list of companies that that NFL athletes are not allowed to endorse. Uh, so why are they allowed to run an ad in the Super Bowl? You're basically saying athletes can't make money off them, but the Fox and the NFL can make money off them. And so the pra- players' union uh, complained, and the NFL rejected the ad, not Fox. Uh, so basically said we're not cool with GNC uh, being an advertiser, which came as a surprise, it sounds like, to GNC. And <laughs> find out at the last minute that your Super Bowl ad uh, will, is not going to be running. Uh, so you can definitely, for if you want to know a lot more about the state of GNC as a brand, you can check out Robert's story, but it sounds like we will not be seeing them uh, in the Super Bowl. Uh, moving on to other news before we get back to Super Bowl stuff. Uh, it has been, as I mentioned, uh, you know, kind of as a joke, but kind of seriously, I feel like it's become just a weekly uh, topic of discussion of how brands are responding to uh, Trump. Uh, in the first uh, week, in the first days after his inauguration, the answer was not much. Everyone was kind of being quiet. Uh, and then I think everything really tipped over with the immigration ban, uh, which covered, uh, I believe, seven countries, uh, Muslim-majority countries, largely in the Middle East, uh, that he felt were unsafe uh, due to terrorist output. Uh, this really became, a obviously, a massive uh, social story, but it's one where the brands kind of broke their silence. Uh, Christina, you've been covering this quite a bit. Who are some of the bigger brands that have come out about this, and wh- what have they said? I mean, a lot of the brands, it's that they sent notes to their employees, and then, of course, those went out to uh, the press, but it's Nike, it's uh, Amazon, Apple, uh, even some finance brands like Goldman Sachs, um, bunch of them. I mean, I think we're just going to continue to see brands speaking out about this until this is somehow resolved. I don't know. Everything is up in the air with this administration. So it also created a really difficult spot for uh, Uber, uh, which, you know, if I could, if I'm kind of summarizing it correctly, basically there was this uh, taxi strike at JFK the first night of heavy protests for the immigration ban, and Uber waived their surge pricing and continued to provide service. Uh, and many people felt that this was uh, basically breaking the strike, scabbing, and so delete Uber uh, became a uh, trending hashtag, which stayed it kept up for about 24 hours. Uh, I, I, you know, maybe this is a hot take, but I, I feel like Uber got a bit of a bum ride here. Uh, yeah, pun. Um, <laughs> they uh, no, but they, you know, I think they tried to walk the balance about as best they could. That largely they were being penalized for the fact that their CEO is on an advisory board with Trump. Uh, which, uh, you know, is kind of one thing or the other, but uh, he basically said, hey, I am against this as well, and I will take it up with the administration when I go there for this advisory board meeting. Uh, So one could argue that's the right thing to do, is to have people working within the system and not just people working on the outside. Katie, do you think Uber could have done anything to handle this better? I think, honestly, they were just kind of stuck in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, But, I mean, it did benefit Lyft in the end, so it kind of sucks for Uber um, just to be put in that position. But Lyft became, like, one of the top ten apps on the App Store, I believe, after this happened. And, uh, I mean, I I don't really see what else they could do. I feel like if your CEO is on a board and he's talking to Trump, you're kind of screwed. 
Though, if you're downloading Uber, I mean, if you're downloading Lyft, excuse me, you're like helping line Peter Thiel's pockets. That's like, true. Yeah, that was kind of the the echo effect is people saying, but wait, Peter Thiel is an investor in Lyft. And, uh, you know, that really kind of t- flips over the rock of Silicon Valley and the fact that, man, you, you there's not many places you can put your money or your effort that aren't going to have uh, someone you disagree with uh, politically pretty heavily involved, at least financially. Of course, true of Facebook and all sorts of other sites. But, uh, yeah, definitely a big boost for Lyft, which has also been getting, I, I would say, in general, and maybe this goes back years now, but has been getting a better kind of public image than Uber. They're known for being a little more fair to their drivers um, and just kind of being the nicer alternative to Uber. Uh, but, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see long-term what this does for Uber. But I, I definitely think they got uh, maybe penalized harder than they deserve for how they attempted to respond, uh, but it certainly was a rough week for them. Uh, the tech community, uh, seems to really have become out the most vocal, perhaps because they have so many first generation immigrants, a lot of second generation immigrants. Alexis Ohanian, the co-founder of Reddit, uh, wrote a very impassioned, I guess you'd call it a blog post that, uh, was at the top of Reddit, uh, yesterday, basically saying, you know, I'm the child of, a, I believe he's the child of an undocumented immigrant, um, or maybe the grandchild, but, it, it, you know, and, and refugees from the Armenian massacre. Uh, so, y- you know, it really, you could tell that this is an issue that is just very central to the tech community. Uh, Tim, what's your take on, on brands getting involved at this level? How effective is it? How effective in this case does it seem to be so far? Well, it's interesting. We've talked about Trump, you know, again and again on the podcast, you know, curious, we've been curious how, how brands are going to go up against him. And, you know, the Uber thing is, is quite interesting because I think, you know, the focus of, of a lot of brands has been, what is the risk to me in speaking out against the administration or taking a stand in some way against the administration? And I think what the, the Uber example shows is that there's a risk in appearing to be with the administration also. And I think that might embolden some brands to take a stance, you know, and, uh, you know, a lot of these, you know, brands in general have seen, I think, a lot of positive results in the past few years, you know, for, from actually standing up for things beyond what they're selling. And I think, too, that they, you know, that they're probably empowered by some of the grassroots resistance that the, that we've seen, you know, that we saw after the, the Muslim ban, the announcement of the, of the travel ban. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think I think brands might be, you know, realizing that there's a risk either way. Maybe maybe the, the people behind these brands are going to uh, just, you know, do what they actually believe in, in instead of what uh, what might sell more product. You know, this is a country where fewer than one third of the citizens voted for Trump and his unfavorables are tipping into the majority now. And so you could argue that, you know, the, the, the risk to these brands is less and less and, and that and that coming out and standing for something puts you in a conversation and makes you relevant and, you know, maybe makes a difference if you really believe what you're saying. So I think we'll see more, more and more of that maybe uh, as the weeks go by. I mean, it just, it's so volatile. It's really hard to predict, but, um, this first weekend, you know, just the activity this past weekend shows, I think that the brands more and more brands really will have a big role to play, uh, in, you know, any meaningful resistance to Trump. One brand that it feels like gets uh, kind of at the center of political debates just by doing something as minor as putting out a Christmas cup, 
uh, Starbucks, uh, you know, so Starbucks often just seems to be in the crosshairs of uh, kind of conservative boycott efforts. And this time they really came out swinging and said, yeah, we're going to hire thousands of refugees around the world. Uh, really took a very strong stance. And, you know, you could set your clock by the fact that uh, a boycott Starbucks hashtag came along about five seconds later. It seems like they've got that trigger just ready at all times to like launch. A, and I always just wonder, I mean, not to not to stereotype necessarily, but the kind of people who seem to be pushing really hard for a Starbucks boycott all the time don't see, strike me as the kind of people who necessarily like go and line up for the, the, the caramel brulee latte or whatever, like not to be classist or whatever, but it's just one of those where I'm like, man, they, they just seem to have like those signs ready to go. Like we are ready to boycott Starbucks every five seconds, but they obviously are not backing down. And, uh, well, I mean, Starbucks is hiring refugees instead of veterans. So obviously, you know, obviously yeah. you have to boycott them. Yeah, I a, mean, it's a zero sum game, right? Like conflating two issues in our country is, you know, not at all, not at all silly. Nope. <laughs> like you're in full ironic mode today. That <laughs> it's like opposite day with Christina. You just have to flip around <laughs> anything she says. All right. Uh, on that note, let's switch to something more more positive, although I have a feeling we're still going to keep talking about politics. But let's move into our weekly section where Tim finds the best ads that are actually worth taking time to look at. We call it Ads Worth Watching. Tim, what have you got for us this week? So we're going to continue to talk about Trump for a minute um, because Dove and Beta Brand, uh, two brands, uh, released ad campaigns this week, or I don't know if they're if you can consider them full campaigns, but uh, ads themed around this idea of alternative facts, um, which I believe it was Kellyanne Conway who came up with that phrase uh, on a morning show uh, over the past week or so. And so this whole idea of alternative facts is one that uh, a couple of these, these two brands, Dove and Beta Brand, seem to have uh, found pretty amusing because they both created ads around the idea. So Dove put out a, an ad, a two-page newspaper ad in the U.K., where they basically, on the, it was a spread, and on the left-hand side of the spread, they listed, I think, eight or nine um, basically um, blatant lies about the brand. Uh, so they said, new Dove antiperspirant increases your IQ by 40 points. It was first used by Cleopatra. It can plan your next holiday at a competitive rate. It boosts your Wi-Fi signal, and it goes on and on. And at the bottom, there was a ha the hashtag alternative facts. And then on the other side of the screen, uh, sorry, on the other side of the, uh, the ad, uh, the spread, it said, uh, new Dove antiperspirant cares for your skin like never before. And the hashtag there was real facts. So uh, pretty funny. And then Beta Brand did a very similar thing in a bit, bit more of a heavy-handed way. I, I, I like the Dove work uh, quite a bit better. But, but just this morning, we posted this Beta Brand uh, campaign, uh, which they're rolling out in social. And it says, uh, the headlines are, say things like, alternative fact, we're now bigger than Levi's and Gap combined. Uh, al alternative fact, our, our pants are so comfy, James grew more legs to enjoy them twice as much. And it's got a guy photoshopped with more legs. I mean, it's pretty goofy. Um, the tagline in these is, now you can say anything. So, you know, this isn't uh, obviously quite as serious as what, the issues we were talking about earlier with Uber and the like. But um, clearly br some brands are, are, are using... Uh, the Trump news, which, I mean, he, he and his administration are in the news sort of 24-7 now, and so they're sort of newsjacking some of the, the crazier uh, things going on to create these, these two campaigns. So, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, David, I know you're pretty opposed to f sort of fake news on, on, on the Internet. This is, uh, 
this is a, a campaign that kind of embraces that and and you know these companies are lying in their ads sort of as a joke but uh is it do you guys think it's it's funny or or do you think it's a bit silly i mean like to to me what i the reason i i i have two reasons for not enjoying this kind of ad all that much one is uh, that it's low hanging fruit it's like it's like when you see a joke coming 500 miles away on a on a late night show monologue and you're just like oh man this just feels like the one that the writers write rolling their eyes because it's so obvious uh, but the other thing is just that it's not like brands, especially soap and beauty brands, have a, a long history of brutal honesty or anything. It's like they've been lying as long as politicians have been lying. Uh, so it's just one of those where, I mean, yeah, beta brands is kind of funny and a little weirder. The Dove one, I was just like, oh, yes, I definitely looked the the beauty and uh you know, and household goods industry for telling me about the importance of honesty. But, yeah, you know, that's just me being bitter. Um, Christina, guys. what did you, what did you, Christina and Katie, what did you guys think of the, of the, of these campaigns? Uh, I don't know. I'm not like in love with them. I definitely appreciated the beta brand one more just because I think, you know, he, the only way I can look at this is with humor. So the fact that there was, this guy with two extra legs like that made me laugh because it was silly and stupid and I feel like everyone needs something silly and stupid to get through a lot of what's going on right now um but yeah with the dev one it was just kind of like I, I wasn't a big fan of that one all these make me think is that you know Kellyanne Conway has the wrong job right now she should be in a creative agency and she could come up with so many amazing concepts and sell them to the American public with a straight face I want to see that happen that would be a great second act for her uh, speaking of, of famous people who who should be working at a creative agency the the second ad uh, I wanted to talk about um is actually the new Grammys promo. Now, Christina, you wrote about this one. It's um, last last year at the Grammys, Taylor Swift had uh, a pretty memorable acceptance speech when she uh, won the record of the year. And so what TBWA, Shia Day, and the Recording, Recording Academy did, and we just wrote about this for the ad of the day today, was take the, uh, basically that speech, the text of that speech, and have little girls sort of recite it one by one, a um, bunch of little girls in the ad repeating different lines. And so I thought this was a pretty cute and clever way to to promote the uh, the upcoming show, which is fe- February twelfth. And you know Taylor comes in at the very end and delivers the last line, which kind of you know neatly ties up what you've been seeing. You don't really know that that's what what, what you've been seeing the whole time, unless you're you know a super fan of uh, Taylor. But I thought this was a pretty neat way to uh, to promote the show. TBWA has been doing the Grammys ads for quite a while, and they're always nice. Um, this one had, an, uh, I thought, a nice little hook that, um, when, while you're watching the ad, kind of comes full circle at the end. Oh, it's totally cute. It's it's also just, uh, you know, Taylor Swift is a marketing genius. That is what she's best at. and uh, <laughs> <laughs> She's better at that than music is, is your subtext thing. I mean... You said it. <laughs> it's all the it's, it's all the same. <laughs> um, but you know, of course, the message of her speech um, is best delivered in an ad, and not necessarily on the stage. When you know, behind her, it's just like it's a bunch of dudes, and she's like, "Young ladies, come and do this thing." But I'm not going to promote you and have you be part of my squad when my squad happens to be the people that I pay. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> but then, uh, you know, and then also, you know, that whole thing was, it was about the Kanye West thing. And then that became a whole gossip cycle. So like that particular speech when it comes to the Grammys is hard to swallow. But when it's marketing copy, that's where Swift excels. Well, let's uh, let's listen to a little bit of it for the, you know, not to imply anyone's not a super fan of hers, but I, I did not recognize it. So let's listen to a little bit. I want to say to all the young women out there, there are going to be people along the way. We try to undercut your success. Or take credit for your accomplishments. Don't let those people sidetrack you. Someday, when you get where you're going, you will look around and you will know it was you. All right, and the last campaign I wanted to talk about very briefly uh, was the latest work for IKEA out of the uh, Swedish agency uh, Akastam Holst. Uh, this is an agency that we've written quite a bit about over the last year or two. In particular, their IKEA work, where they they had the um, last year they launched this whole campaign called "Where Life Happens," and the idea was that uh, you kind of show kind of more honest depictions of family life. And so they had one um, with a, with a boy who goes from his mom's house uh, to his dad's house for the weekend because the parents are divorced. And they had another another ad where a father is sort of trying to deal with, uh, you know, trying to trying to be there for his daughter who's very upset, and he's just sort of sitting outside her bedroom for hours on end on an Ikea stool, of course. Um, apparently they're comfortable. So anyway, um, yeah, this agency and client just came up with a new digital campaign, and it's kind of a funny new way to approach banner advertising. Uh, so basically you'd be, you'd be clicking through on a publisher site, and uh, if, you click, if you happen to click on a Ikea banner, uh, which would be unusual because no one clicks on banners. Uh, the ad actually asks you if you clicked on it by mistake. It said, did you tap on this by mistake? And if, and if you did, you can hit a back button and go back to the content. And uh, if you didn't, if you actually were, for some strange reason, wanting to see what, was, what, what this banner ad clicked through to, you, there's a to Ikea button um, that you can click through as well. So I thought this was kind of interesting. I guess you could call these ads kind of like self-hating ads because they assume that, that you don't like them. Um, but I thought it was an interesting, you know, to give people a choice. Uh, you know, you see this sometimes in in UX on a lot of sites. We we were talking about the new ad week. You know, if you try to click away while you're editing a story, it'll say, "Do you really want to click away?" And so this was very similar to that, and it assumes you might not want to be pitched to in the moment, uh, which ties into this whole where life happens idea. Like you're on your phone, and and your life at that moment is probably trying to read a story, and maybe you just accidentally clicked on that ad, and so it gives you the option to go back. So I thought this was kind of a, a, a cute way to to kind of acknowledge the limitations of banner advertising. I'm not sure how much product it's going to sell, um, giving people, you know, a lot of people probably would just go straight back to the content. Um, but it's, you know, it, it's, it's in keeping with IKEA kind of trying to be more honest in their advertising. So um, pretty nice, pretty nice job, I thought, even if it's kind of gimmicky. All right. Well, thank you, as always, for rounding up all the ads worth watching. And uh, we better move on because we have a whole Super Bowl's worth of ad news to talk about. Let's get to the Super Bowl. And this time, let's change up our theme music. Let's do something exciting and 
football It's the Super Bowl! All right, so this Sunday is Super Bowl LI, I think, which is a... I hate Roman numerals. Um, I think Christine is infecting the rest of us with her. Or just hackles up. Uh, but no, um, Super Bowl LIs is this Sunday. And uh, now I feel like we have a pretty good sense of who's going to be advertising. I'm sure there will still be a few surprises. Uh, but I wanted to start with one of the more noteworthy uh, ads, which is Budweiser. Uh, they've got an, a pretty epic 60-second uh, spot uh, about the history of the brand. Christina, you have been deeply embedded in this campaign. You physically were out there on set and got to be behind the scenes through much of the process of this ad. Uh, so there's a lot I wanted to talk about, but first tell us about the premise of the ad and kind of what you see, and then we'll uh, we'll listen to a little bit of it. Sure. Um, it's 1857. Adolphus Bush, the co-founder of... Uh, Budweiser. He is coming from Hamburg, Germany to the U.S. Uh, instead of just like taking a very long crappy flight, it's 1857 so he's on a boat and tossed about and he uh, you know gets a giant cut on his head and it's like all about how horrible and rough it is to travel from Germany to uh, his eventual destination which is St. Louis. He lands in New Orleans and then takes a um, steamboat up the Mississippi River to St. Louis. Uh, Said steamboat catches on fire. This is probably fictional but you know uh, at the time steamboats couldn't uh, slam the brakes. There were a lot of them on the Mississippi River. It was functioning like a highway. And uh, so it's on fire. He jumps off. Uh, It's very pretty. And, um, you know, he eventually makes it to St. Louis. And then a very sweet old man is like, welcome to St. Louis, son. And you're like, oh, okay, this is what it was worth. And then he meets, uh, you know, Eberhardt Anhauser, they shake hands. He says, next time, this is the beer that we'll drink. And it's Budweiser, and that's the ad. So this is a pretty big, uh, tonally and creatively, a big departure uh, from what they've been doing in recent years. Uh, They obviously took a swing at craft beer. Uh, They have done a lot of Clydesdales, a lot of puppies. Uh, This one, going with a period piece, what, what did they tell you about kind of the thinking behind that change up? In, in getting younger consumers to, uh, you know, identify with the brand, want to try the brand, they have to tell their history, they hadn't told their story before. People like, uh, you know, historical messages, they like to know the DNA of the brand. Um, so this is Budweiser trying to deliver that. Um, you know, Anomaly took on a pretty intense task to try and make 1857 palatable for a 2017 audience so anomaly was obviously the creative agency on this one they have a a pretty uh, robust track record of super bowl ads but uh, you talk about in your story that there were quite a few agencies involved in this process so who were kind of the core players in making a super bowl ad like this in kind of the modern agency world so it was uh, Anomaly, and then Mediacom was the media agency, and uh, Vayner Media was the digital shop. And they'll actually be at Twitter's headquarters on uh, Sunday, set up to uh, respond with any, uh, you know, to any and all questions that people might have about the ad. 
because this is an immigrant story, they are very much prepared to get the what what is a Budweiser stance on immigration uh, question. And I think that's something that they had predicted they would get long, long before we were all talking about this immigration ban. Yeah, I mean, that's something that maybe they could have guessed would be somewhat topical, but there's no way they could have predicted how amazingly topical it was going to be. Um, we even saw, I believe, today on the Today Show, maybe they, they unveiled the full ad. And right away, we started getting comments and links to our post, uh, to our write-up on, on it saying, you know, this is so brave of Budweiser. This is, uh, But I, I don't get the sense that that's necessarily what they were going for. They're, they certainly don't aren't looking to alienate Trump supporters uh, who make up a big part of the beer buying audience. Uh, you know, what I remember they told you, uh, they kind of gave you obviously a pretty broad answer on the, on this question of but but they were also pretty clear that they are not trying to make a political statement right yeah um they were very clear that they're not trying to make a political statement you know they're they're a brand that has a lot of fans all across the country they d they want anyone to drink their beer so they're definitely not trying to um make uh, any sort of political statement uh you know especially after bud light's political statements last year even though those were just sort of poking fun at the event of the election rather than actually taking a side fully so uh let's uh listen to a little bit of that one before we move on so here's a, here's a little bit of the uh the budweiser super bowl ad you don't look like you're from around here I want to brew a beer. Welcome to America. You got water here. Go back home. Abandoned ship. What is that ad called again? What's its official name? Born the Hard Way. Aren't we all? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Tim, what's your take on uh, on the Budweiser ad, especially in light of kind of uh, uh, how that brand has evolved its Super Bowl advertising over the last few years? Well, I liked it. I actually liked it a lot. You know, and they've had such great advertising for so, so long. I know Christina did a, uh, a sidebar for her story where she, you know, gathered together some of the classic uh, Budweiser Super Bowl ads. And, of course, there's all the Clydesdales commercials. There's the frogs and the lizards going back to the 90s. Um, there was like the Rocky commercial. And then, you know, Anomaly recently kind of breathed new life into them with the whole um, puppy love in, in 2014. And then there was the Lost Dog commercial after that. Uh, I wasn't a huge fan of the Helen Mirren ad last year. I didn't think that really did that much for this brand. I think uh, this was a good choice this year. And I, I, I believe them when they say they're not trying to be political. I mean, you know, the, the story of someone coming to America 150 years ago isn't really political. It's only, I mean, it's an immigration story, sure, but it's not, uh, it's, it doesn't have anything to do with, with the 21st century and, and what Trump's really trying to, trying to do. So I, I think they, I don't think they're going to get uh, a lot of flack for that. I, I think it's a really well-told story. I think that it was, it's a beautiful film. And I think, uh, yeah, I think Anomaly had, has a pretty good, uh, pretty good hit with, with this one. 
So another advertiser that uh, kind of is ending up in an unintentionally political space is Avocados from Mexico. Uh, Tim, they're going to have one of the most prominent placements, right? They're going to be right up the, at the front of the game. I believe that's right. Yes, and uh, I, I, they've also obviously with what with what Trump has said about uh, taxing imports from Mexico uh, puts this brand in in kind of an awkward position. Uh, GSDNM down in Austin has has done the creative for their spot, and I, I believe we've been told that uh, they're not going to change it, not going to change the creative to in in any way to refer to or react to what Trump has done. So uh, it's a thirty this year. This is another brand that's been you know unlike. Unlike uh, Budweiser or Anheuser Busch, which has for for decades kind of dominated so much airtime on the Super Bowl, this is a, a very relative newcomer to the game. And yeah, the last couple of years they've had really entertaining spots. And so, yeah, I, I'm 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 optimistic we'll we'll have another winner from from the avocado folks again. I think they're supposed to release the full ad tomorrow. Um, oh, so we may be when this comes out, we we may be late. Yeah, though it's also worth noting that um, you know their ad star John Lovitz uh, is, <laughs> well, spoiler alert, he just got fired from the this year's Apprentice cast. Oh, so there's really? like another <laughs> Trump it level. It all to goes it. back to Trump. That's so weird. Up and down year for Lovitz. Uh, so so interesting thing with avocados is uh, after the I think within the first 24 hours after the uh, 20% tariff the the tax on Mexican imports uh, was discussed uh, and it was walked back uh, within I think a day by the the press secretary uh, Sean Spicer kind of said uh, well that's a option we may do that um, but in that time period mentions of avocados jumped 371 uh, percent we asked uh, Moby the social data analytics firm to basically crunch those numbers for us uh, and they came back with it was a 371 percent jump so from uh, kind of a usual of I believe it's about eight or ten thousand mentions up above uh, 30,000 mentions uh, so obviously avocados are right at the center of this discussion and I would argue that they are largely at the center of this discussion because of these Super Bowl ads like I think five years ago, if you had said imports are going to be taxed from from Mexico, people would have said, "Oh no, Corona! Oh no, tequila!" Like they would have, you know. I don't think avocados. Katie would. I mean, did you think of avocados as a primary Mexican import before like these uh, ads started running? I guess not. Now that you mention it, I mean, I'm from California, so I just like to tend to think that avocados come from California. But I guess when I was introduced to the brand avocados from Mexico, then it kind of makes that. A little bit more clear um yeah i don't know but it was funny just to see people on twitter that day just talking about like don't tax our avocados like what are we going to do about our guacamole and i thought that was kind of funny and they were not obviously the only uh, brand or the only kind of product uh, that people were pretty upset about. There was a huge spike in mentions of tequila and uh, brands like Corona. Uh, there were 31,700 tweets about Corona. Uh, so obviously uh, there are uh, a lot of debates. And, and Lindsey Graham, uh, the uh, Republican uh, from South Carolina, uh, said, simply put, uh, any policy proposal which drives up costs of Corona, tequila, or margaritas is a big-time bad idea. Mucho sad. Remember, um, Scott Baio was in their commercial last year. Big, yeah. Big, speaking big, of big Trump guy, suddenly political people. I uh, still want to know who Kellyanne punched because of Scott Baio. Oh, is that a rumor? Like at, at the um, yeah at the inauguration? I don't know. You can't can't spend that much time on deep Twitter. 
<laughs> I don't think that pulling that is that deep, but <laughs> let's let's keep actually talking about the Super Bowl. Oh, okay. We'll keep talking about news. Um, Tim, what are some of the ads that you're, if not looking forward to, that you think will actually get uh, a pretty strong reaction from the crowd? Well, I really enjoyed this Honda teaser uh, with Steve Carell. I assume he'll be in the spot. Hopefully, he'll be in the finish spot. I think that comes out this week also. You know, that yeah, kind of uh, took me James back to... James is going to... Oh, sorry. Oh, right. Yeah, Jim's going to be uh, introducing that, isn't he? Yeah, he's going to introduce it on the t- Today Show at some point this uh, week. Oh, yeah. Our, our boss, Jim Cooper, is going to be helping to debut the Honda ad. That, that kind of reminds me, it takes me back to when they had that ad with, with Matthew Broderick three or four years ago whenever it was you know like you know celebrities that are that are kind of amusing and if if the storytelling is fun i'm always up for that um so that one i'm looking forward to i think the snickers thing is really interesting you know this is a brand obviously that has had really great ads in the in the last you know bunch of super bowls really i think this is their sixth time in the game and they had the brady bunch ads which i think is really wonderful uh, I think we talked about this last week, but they're going to be airing a live commercial, which is, I think, uh, they're calling it the first live commercial in the game. I think there might have been some live stuff going on maybe 20 years ago in one of the games, but anyway, we'll call it the first live commercial for now. Um, Adam Driver is going to be in it, who, of course, is the uh, Kylo Ren from Star Wars. He was also on, he's also uh, got a recurring role on HBO's Girls. He's a one of these great up-and-coming actors in Hollywood. So he's going to be appearing in a live 30-second commercial, I believe, right at the beginning of the third quarter. And Snickers is also doing a pretty interesting uh, thing starting Thursday at noon, I think it is, noon Eastern until Friday night at midnight. They're going to have a 36-hour live stream uh, on their website um, from from the set, from the, uh, you know, the, where the, sh- the shoot where they're going to be uh, filming the live ad. So who knows what they're going to actually broadcast on that live stream, but um, 36 hours of content is a lot of content, so they must have something planned. Hopefully it won't just be a shot of an empty set. Um, so that, I think, uh, you know, a live commercial in the Super Bowl is obviously, uh, you know, you're kind of working without a net, and hopefully uh, it, it, it uh, they pull it off. Uh, Katie, we have to talk briefly about Skittles. Awesome. I feel like, so Skittles, the premise of the ad is a uh, young man throwing Skittles uh, in a window of his girlfriend to get her attention. And while I won't spoil for those who haven't watched it yet, uh, what happens inside the window, because that's pretty much the entire gag. My favorite part is that he spends the entire, uh, I think, 30 seconds just saying the word Katie over and over and over (laughs) the exact same way. I feel like that is going to be the thing that really resonates this year is that like every Katie is just going to feel like they finally got their moment. Oh no, I hate it. I hate it so much. (laughs) I literally, I watched it the first time and I was like, you could have picked any name, any name, but you had to pick Katie. Well, I, I, that's what I want to know. It was like, was there a strategic session where they're trying to decide like which name is going to give us the most? like social lift yeah it's a pretty it's a pretty popular basic name so i guess they did a good job with that um what i tell us about the wendy's ad that's going to be running uh this year tim uh so wendy's i think just bought a spot um fairly recently and so they they've created this 30 second ad that's actually already out uh, that kind of pokes fun at competitors that use frozen beef instead of fresh beef and this goes back to the very beginning of the year, I think it was on January 2nd or 3rd, there was this funny back and forth on Twitter that we actually wrote a story about where 
somebody basically said, Wendy's, you know, we're on, we're on to you. You don't have fresh meat. You, uh, you, all your stuff's frozen too. And Wendy's like, no, well, actually it's not. I don't know where you're getting your info, but, um, we've, we haven't used fresh, we haven't used frozen meat since we started in 1969 or whatever. And then this guy replied and said, well, how do you get your, your beef to the stores then? Do you, and, and, and uh, there was this sort of crazy back and forth, uh, about, and Wendy's kind of made fun of the guy for forgetting that, that refrigerators exist. So, but it kind of, I think uh, Wendy's kind of sat down after that and said, do people really think that we serve frozen beef? And they did a little survey and it turned out that um, seven out of 10 respondents to their survey thought that, thought that Wendy's used frozen beef. So they've basically, they've uh, created a whole 30 second Super Bowl commercial about uh, how they don't and, and how their competitors do. So it takes place in a freezer and there's a guy at a rival chain who, uh, is kind of like thawing the frozen patties with like a, a hair dryer or something, and there's it points you to a website called otherguys.com, and uh, there's a whole sort of fake infomercial there for this other, you know, fictional rival brand. So, I mean, you know, it's not like super laugh out loud funny, but I think this is uh, Wendy's first time ever on the game, you know, which is kind of surprising since they did the, the whole where's the beef thing in the '80s was uh, was Wendy's, but that never never aired on the game. So, yeah, but it, the ad's out already. Um, a lot of people also kind of amused by the screen grab that we took uh, to run with the the story. Um, they they seem to think it's kind of suggestive, although I'm not really saying that. But worth worth no, checking out our story. <laughs> yeah, I gotta dig that back. That, that's good clickbait there. Yes. We have a suggestive image that we can't even describe, and honestly, I can't remember it off the top of my head. It's, it's not. Ver- it. It's not really suggestive. It's just. I would disagree with you. Really. I feel like it's suggestive. You think it's oh, intentionally no. suggestive? Hold on, now I've got yeah, a Yeah, I think so. I need to go talk to VML about this. VML uh, <laughs> in Kansas City made this commercial. Oh, that's a, yeah, it's interesting. VML is an interesting agency. Uh, someone who lived in Missouri for quite a while, I'm, I'm just fascinated that there is a kind of a major award-winning agent. They clean up at Cannes every year. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting to see a successful agency that's based in a kind of mid-market city like Kansas City, uh, which is a great town. I love Kansas City. Um, any other are, are there any good kind of I don't know what we call these like shadow campaigns non-official Super Bowl advertisers uh, who are kind of doing things on the periphery this year Tim? Well, or you know the only the only one that really I think has gotten a lot of press. I, I just you know I've been combing through the real-time Super Bowl research that's coming in so far, and supposedly this thing that Heinz has been doing trying to make Monday after the Super Bowl a national holiday is getting some traction. Um, did a story about this a few days ago. Uh, you know, Heinz uh, had one of the best or one of the most popular. I thought it was great, too. The the uh, Heinz uh, Wiener Stampede, uh, the Heinz ketchup ad on last year's game, I think ended up at, like, number two on the USA Today ad meter, and everybody seemed to love it. Um, but Heinz decided this year they're not going to buy an ad in the game. Instead, they're going to do this sort of grassroots um, campaign, political-style campaign, where they're going to request Congress to make the Monday after the Super Bowl a holiday. Uh, it's it's an idea that's been around for a long time. In fact, in 2012, Coke Zero did a campaign about the exact same thing. So it's not a new idea, um, but apparently it's been getting, at least according to some of the wags following Super Bowl mentions on Twitter and, and the like, uh, it's been getting quite a bit of traction. So that's really the only one so far that I've seen. Um, you know, we will be looking out for stuff like, was it Volvo did the campaign a year or two ago where they kind of uh, commented on the Super Bowl advertisers and they kind of hijacked hijacked the night. Um, 
with a campaign. Yeah, it was, it was Volvo. Uh, what did they call it? Not kidnap, not abduction. It was something like that. Yeah, yeah, they had a name for it. Yeah, so but yeah, that thing we'll did be looking, really well. We'll be looking for those kinds of things. Haven't seen too much along those lines yet. Volvo Interception took the name. Interception, yeah. right? Usually, we get something from eSurance by now. Oh yeah, they normally do something like social related. Yeah, I can't remember what they did last year. I don't know something with John Krasinski's voice. I don't know. I remember. I mean, the it's automakers. Like related. The automakers also. I mean, we haven't seen any th- what Audi's going to do. Audi had Commander on last year's game, which was a really, really nice ad. And Audi and Venables Bell over the last year have really done some amazing work. So really curious to see what Audi comes out with. Uh, Chrysler, of course, um, often does very provocative commercials. You know, I think this is the one of those years, I mean, almost unlike any other, I guess, where p- politics and, and the state of affairs in the country is really kind of the elephant in the room. And so are, are any brands going to come out and say something on the game about Trump or about, you know, um, what's happening in the country right now? I think Chrysler, you, you could put good money on Chrysler maybe doing something. Um, they're, not a, they're not a company that tends to pre-release their ads either. So I, we might have to wait until Sunday to see what they do. Um, what else? Buick. Oh, uh, well, oh, I'm sorry. sorry not no, to no, no, interrupt. Yeah. I, I need Katie to tell us about the Mr. Clean ad. Oh, God. <laughs> Why do I, I? I wrote about the weirdest ads this year. <laughs> All I know about the Mr. Clean ad is that it made the best gif oh, that we, God. I think, have ever run of him shifting back and forth, facing away from the Gyrate. camera. But Gyrating tell, is the word you're yes. looking for. Yes. Yeah. That's it. Working it. <laughs> Uncanny <laughs> Valley butt stuff. <laughs> yes. Unva- <laughs> Uncanny Valley right in the right in the middle of the butt. Um, Katie, tell us about the premise or the concept behind the ad. So in this ad, there's a woman who's in her kitchen and she sees there's a stain on the counter and she kind of sighs a little bit. And then all of a sudden this like old school R&B music kicks in and you look up and there's this CGI Mr. Clean doing um, some interesting dance moves and suggestive squeezing of his Mr. Clean eraser. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everyone. (laughs) I think it's going to be like the hit. That's my my hot prediction for the year is that Mr. Clean is going to be the talker. Yeah, but not in a good, not in a good way. Yeah, I mean uh, these companies that do this, like Liquid Plumber did this a few years ago. Do you remember that campaign from DDB San Francisco where the guy, like the guy, showed up and he's like, "I'm gonna clean your pipes and stuff," and he brings the Liquid Plumber with. It's like a handyman. It was and it really, ends up being like really a th- uncomfortable. Uh, ends up being a three-way, right? Because it's like there's something about two, two for w- two in one. Yeah, it got real. Yeah, it got really. Yeah, I'm not making this the, up. No, it got, the actual. It got real, uh, Liquid Plumber, ha- <laughs> Liquid Plumber has something called a double impact formula, which uh, played into the theme of one of these commercials oh. in a not very nice way. <laughs> so no. I don't know how these CPG brands suddenly think they suddenly think that people are going to love this kind of like racy humor, which <clears throat> I don't know. People just get uncomfortable with it. I mean, it's really important to sexualize cleaning so that both genders will want to clean. Obviously, <laughs> right. definitely. Definitely. We did this like definitive history of Mr. Clean, and uh, and it, I definitely recommend look up Adweek Mr. Clean. It was a fascinating look back at like kind of his his sexual ambiguity and just all sorts of stuff that have been recurring, you know, aspects of that marketing campaign going back decades. So I'm kind of glad they just went all in on on the cleaner of your dreams. 
Uh, well, we're about out of time, so we are going to have a special podcast uh, on the Monday after the Super Bowl, so we will knock that out as fast as we can after the Super Bowl uh, to share our thoughts on all the ads that we saw. And we want to hear from you. We want to hear what your favorites were. You can hit us on Twitter. Of course, we're Adweek on Twitter, uh, but you can email podcast at adweek.com, and we'd love to hear uh, what you thought of the game and what you thought of the best uh, the best ads and the best moments. Uh, and definitely, of course, a quick plug for our uh, social channels. Uh, you know, if you're if you're gonna have your phone out, and the stats say that everybody does. Uh, keep an eye on the uh, Adweek Twitter feed, on our Snapchat, which is, I believe, Adweek Mag, Adweek and then MAG at the end. And, uh, you know, all of our other social channels, we'll be pushing out fun content, and we'll have a war room here at Adweek HQ where uh, we'll be talking about uh, things all day and all night. So it's going to be it's gonna be a blast. Uh, thank you to everyone on the panel for showing up and for talking about it. And I actually have a, a, a prize for Katie for being on the podcast this week. Uh, sorry, Christine, I only had one and I had to flip a coin. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Surprise. Wow. We wow. can share. Awesome. For having to cover the most uncomfortable ads, I got you something. Oh, God. Oh, God, this looks uncomfortable. What is it? What is this? Okay, just, uh, you remember it. Uh, no. Oh, my God. <laughs> what is it's going on over there? <laughs> I like how Tim, Tim is not here so oh just has to, like, can someone it, else please describe i'm it? as confused um, as the listeners are okay if you if you remember several years ago there was a piece in the hairpin about women laughing alone with salad this is that image but on a t-shirt it's incredible <laughs> i'll tweet it out in a few minutes <laughs> so tim you remember where this came from right uh the t-shirt no, with the me. woman laughing with salad oh remind me um this is from a, I believe, an Adobe stock art uh, marketing campaign where they embraced the worst cliches of stock art, oh, uh, and yes. they put out T-shirts with like, you know, businessmen confidently shaking hands, and you know, it, there was that elderly man looking comfortable with coffee or whatever it was, and then, uh, and so I was able to. I was at a conference where they had a few of these sitting around. They literally only had like two, and I just grabbed one and threw it in a bag. And I figured I'd give it to somebody, and it's just been sitting in my house for like three months. But I figured I'd bring it as a thank you for coming to the podcast, and also I spilled some coffee on it on the way here, so it just adds to the the charm. So thank you, Katie, for being on the podcast. Uh, thank you, Christina, for coming back in. Tim, uh, we will be back, like I said, on Monday right after the Super Bowl. And uh, hit us at podcast.adweek.com if you have any questions. Uh, we've got a few fun things coming up. Uh, Media Agency of the Year profiles, uh, which uh, we'll look back at kind of the, obviously, the biggest, I, th I believe there's three of them, Global, U.S., and Breakthrough uh, Media Agencies of the Year, uh, and our mobile issue and a few other things. But definitely, uh, for now, check out the new adweek.com and let us know what you think. We'd love to hear about it. Uh, I'm Griner on Twitter, G-R-I-N-E-R, -E so easy to find, uh, as is the rest of the Adweek crew. Our theme music is by Home. This week's episode was produced by Christina Monlos and edited by Kevin Eck. Thank you, Christina. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, please take a moment, if you've not already, to leave us a, a review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Those reviews help our podcast reach new audiences, so we always appreciate it. Thanks so much, and we will talk to you Monday after the Super Bowl. Enjoy Super Bowl Sunday, everybody. Have a good one. This week's podcast is brought to you by Deloitte Digital. 
Deloitte Digital has created the Creative Digital Consultancy, combining leading digital and creative capabilities with deep industry knowledge and versatile technology experience to help transform businesses. Deloitte Digital, bring your brand ambition to life. Today's episode was also brought to you by Newstar. Keeping up with your customers is only half the challenge. Next Level Marketing Analytics lets you block, tackle, and crush the competition before they know what hit them. Get ahead of the game with New Star Marketing Solutions. Visit newstar.biz playbook for tips from the marketing pros.